Hello and welcome to another episode of the Philosophy Guy podcast. And before we get into today's episode, uh, I'm going to kind of mention... So last episode we did one on the Big Bang Theory, the TV show, the bad philosophy of it. I kind of like that format and I got good feedback, good amount of listeners as well. So I'll probably be doing some more later on about those. And so today's episode is also, also a little bit of a different format. I don't know if I'll be sticking with it because it's kind of like a kind of its own unique thing, I guess you could say. And you'll you'll see, I guess. Right. And you can probably tell by the title as well. Um, but also I want to my New Year's kind of resolution for the podcast is to get more content out. I only had one out last month. And then to also keep my intro short. So after this one, the intro should be much shorter unless I have a major announcement. But the you know the typical announcement today is still, you know, if you'd like to support the podcast, you'd like to see more content, you know, help me pay the bills essentially so I can produce more content, you can visit my Patreon page and get some bonus content there. Or and you can also please subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review and share it with your friends, share it on the internet wherever, social media, and all that good stuff. You can also interact with me through email and Twitter and all that fun stuff as well. Uh, but yeah, today's episode, I'm going to be doing it on a simplified history of Western philosophy, I call it. Basically, I want to bring something fresh to the history of Western philosophy. And hopefully, this episode is a little spicier, I guess you could say, than your typical history lesson, but no promises. Um, so in the beginning, the world had stuff, right? You know, the, when the universe began, and, and you think, what stuff? The everything stuff, all of it, from the clouds to the bedrock, everything in between, that stuff, Right. So what came after this stuff regarding philosophy? So you have the robed men with weird hand gestures that you see in pictures, right? The Greek philosophers. There were some dudes in Greece that wanted to know why there was this stuff. And long story short, philosophy was born, or at least Western philosophy was born. So in Greek, philosophy is defined as the love of wisdom. And today, some interpretations view it as a degree for people, like myself, who love to think about things, but rather avoid numbers in doing said thinking. So, well, organized philosophy, whatever whatever that means, started with the pre-Socratics from 6th to 7th BC doing their best to understand this crazy world, asking questions like, what is the nature of the universe? You know, a good conversation starter for your next night on the town, right? So the pre-Socratics were, they're a nice little prelude to the dude who really started spinning the wheels of philosophy. And that is the man, the myth, the legend, and, and literally all three of those things, Socrates. So for Socrates, rather than just chilling around, pondering the big questions of the universe, he decided it would be fun to wander around Athens, asking his fellow citizens some irritating questions. You know, the typical response from a Greek citizen from someone questioning their life and their and their understanding of life is, how dare someone question my popular views until I realize they make no sense? Something I'm sure it went something like that. Anyways, the reason it probably went something like that is if Athens eventually, eventually they grew tired of Socrates questioning their, their societal ways and, and they sentenced him to live no longer. So yeah, Socrates thought it was a waste of time to write anything down as well. But fortunately, he had the world's biggest fan and student in Plato, 
who thought it would make sense to write some of his uh, some of those combos down. Some of those combos down. All right, supposed combos, Plato's imaginary combos, just some combos of some sort that Plato made up or heard that he decided to attribute to Socrates. And then poof, among some other stuff, the theory of forms is born. What is this form? So imagine this. You see a golden retriever and you think, oh, look at the golden retriever. Oh, so cute. And then you see a husky and you think the same thing. Oh, so cute. Look at the little husky. And then a German shepherd. Oh, so cute. But are they the perfect dog? Well, Plato, he would see these, these, all these dogs and reason that there must be a perfect dog in an unseeable realm that all these earth dogs are made from. The perfect dog. The perfect dog, you know, just chilling with some treats, perfect humans throwing perfect throws of fetch, and plenty of naps allowed, and then boom, you have the theories of forms. Essentially, oversimplified, yada yada, moving on. Then comes Aristotle, who casually invented, you know, discovered, whatever your interpretation is, logic. Nothing special, just how to properly reason, right? Yeah, that idea that is constantly regurgitated by everyone who took a class in college that mentioned Aristotle... We are different from animals by our ability to reason, the professor will proclaim, and then it makes all the students feel awoke and stuff. Yeah, that guy. So skip some years, and now you have hedonism. Back then, it wasn't considered an idea created by some filthy heathens, heathens, but rather an understanding that people should be maximizing their own pleasure. I mean, how dare someone have a good time and be cheerful, you filthy heathens, right? And then you have atomism. At, at, I don't know how to pronounce that right atomism atomism i think i'm gonna go with atomism sorry for the i'm not a perfect word speech guy i guess but which turned out to be eerily accurate so i guess thousands of years ago some fellow humans figured out everything was just a bunch of little moving unseeable dots maybe better to call them particles however you want to call them i don't know atoms but i'm not a scientist anyway moving on this then you have what i like to call the for for christ's sake era so you have skepticism, which is mainly for people that ask for some proof about stuff. You see Adams, and I say, where's the proof? You skip some years, you have the Dark Ages, and you might ask, why am I skipping this era? For one, it's called the Dark Ages for a reason. Two, some crazy stuff happened. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And then moving on to around the 11th century, you have some universities pop up throughout Europe. Scholasticism was born, which attempted to connect Aristotelian logic with Christian thought. I won't really get into the ridiculous nature of this attempt, but let's just say this scholastic thought is often linked to the words dogma, tradition, and narrow-minded. So I'm going to leave it at that. Let's keep this train moving. We then have the Renaissance starting in the 14th century. 14th century. It's coming after a time where Europe experienced the Black Death that wiped out between 30 and 50% of the European population. So a rebirth was needed. With a rebirth, after such dark times, it was time for everyone to look to the arts more. So we have Shakespeare writing some stuff, Da Vinci inventing stuff, and Galileo found some stuff in the sky. Things were looking better for Western civilization. So time for some philosophers to think about some stuff. So you have the beginning of, I guess you'd say, the modern woke, right? Keeping the timeline... We have the Enlightenment starting around the 18th century. We get back to the big questions like, do you really exist? Hey, you, yeah, you listening to this, to this, to these words, do you think you really exist? Prove it is what they would 
what they would say during the 18th century, right? Well, luckily, you have Rene Descartes to come to the rescue, who found it fun to lock himself away in a room and think about stuff. So what can we know for certain? Well, does the universe exist? Eh, maybe. Does the world exist? Eh, maybe. What about your country, your family, your friends? They must exist. Eh, maybe. It's a bit of a downer if life is all but a dream and all. A lame dream. But are you thinking? Are you thinking? Yes. So if I'm thinking, that must mean I exist. I think, therefore I am, which was has been forever spoken ever since. As Descartes once kind of said, I think, therefore I am. So yay, maybe it, it, it isn't just a dream. So you also have John Locke and David Hume around this time telling us that we can only know things we experience from the outside world. I think that I summed that up pretty much good enough, so let's moving on. <laughs> then you have Thomas Hobbes and Rousseau talking all about the social contract. Hobbes was mostly reminding us that we were all terrible people by nature. Follow the leader or die in the wilderness in misery was basically his motto. Adam Smith then invented modern economics. Why mention the economist? How dare I, right? And we're talking about philosophy. Probably for the unnecessary amount of philosophical discussions that turn into a debate between Adam Smith and Karl Marx. Also, you can argue that many historical economists were, in a way, philosophers. But anyway, the debates between Adam Smith and Karl Marx essentially went, oh, I'm so woke because my passion is critiquing socialism, or oh, I'm so woke because my passion is explaining why socialism is evil, blah, 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 those people. So we have Immanuel Kant up next from 1724 to 1804, who decided to give philosophy a try. So during his time, the rationalists and empiricists had some disagreements, I guess you could say. So Kant stepped, Kant stepped in and said, knock it off, guys. Let's work together as friends. So they did. And yeah, the, the, the categorical imperative was also born out of there, yada, yada, act in a way that would be okay if everyone else did, blah, blah, blah. We can't be sure of anything because we are not God and don't lie or something. That sums up Kant's good enough. Oh, and Kant also sparked some more modern philosophy and German idealism with George or with Hegel leading the way. They wanted to know about objects in the physical world, but they thought we cannot know anything in the physical world exists. So they were thinking about things that we can't know about to figure out what we can't know or what we can know, something like that. So then we have the pragmatist. All of these are all, ideas are all well and well and good. But do they work in practice? If yes, yay. If no, keep your mouth shut, friend. And then you have natural philosophy or science next. And yes, science was once commonly considered philosophy. Oh, and yes, it, it, it still should be, no matter how many times Neil deGrasse Tyson tells me philosophy is dead and useless. So the study of the natural world also brought about the scientific method that we know is widely used today or supposed to be used widely today. The method goes something like this. If you have a theory, let other people check if your theory works, and if it doesn't, keep your mouth shut about it, friend. So we then have the popularly misrepresented Friedrich Nietzsche. He hated everything, everyone, including God, and he killed him. He obliterated the narrative of idols and structures in the world, which paved the way for some edgy 20-somethings like myself to quote him and express our rebellion. Nothing means anything. We are all going to die. Stuff like that. Next, the 20th century, where we decided to organize philosophy a little bit better. Why not, right? Epistemology, can we know stuff? Metaphysics, how does stuff work? 
Ethics, what is good and bad stuff? Logic, and how do we reason stuff? Aesthetics, why does some stuff look so good? Then we have existentialism, where you are free, life sucks, but rebel and just roll with it, bro. Also, grab yourself a pack of cigarettes. So then moving on, postmodernism was born, or I like to call, I don't know, let's roll, bro. So you kind of, but after modernism, we have postmodernism, the <laughs> the can't speak, which can probably best be expressed by, I would say, imagining art, uh, where modern art had a, you know, kind of had a certain structure and flow and you know, shading and stuff like that. But postmodernists said, no, friend, everything is interpretation. There's no real narrative to follow except for this narrative I'm telling you to follow because reasons, which led to art pieces with some blank canvas of sorts, interpretation and all. I mean, just, you know, Go look up some postmodern art and you'll see what I mean. <laughs> so where are we now? My next part of the journey might find some disagreement to that. I say, nothing means anything. Anyway, philosophy is currently focused on answering questions like, what is consciousness? Is abortion all right? What are human rights? How should we run society? Are robots going to take over the world? Can science claim to answer everything and kill philosophy? How do we answer these questions, though, is a real question. Well... Philosophy, modern philosophy has kind of done it this way, kind of uh, pick and choose ideas from the past to formulate an answer to the problems we are currently faced with, kind of, and also use some science, which is a good thing to use, something like that. Uh, Well, maybe not all philosophy is doing this, but perhaps more than we'd like. I don't know. It's up to you. I'm kind of had mixed feelings if you can't tell about it, right? (laughs) But the next question is, is philosophy still important? The question I try to answer, in my own opinion, is a way to kind of rationalize my addiction to philosophy. So, what do I say to the question, is philosophy still important? Yes. Well, we still don't know what's going on. Consciousness is still a mystery, and we still can't seem to find a way to get along. I'll say this, as long as we still have mysteries in the world, we still have philosophy to do. At least this is what I tell my parents when asked about the questionable state of job security and making money for philosophy professors and people that like philosophy in general and do want to do it for a living. Society will always need us even if they don't want us. So mom and dad, do I know how to pro- properly pay my taxes? No, it's a mystery to me. How will I make a living? I don't know. That too is a mystery. But if you ever need me to explain Kant's categorical imperative or Plato's allegory of the cave, I am right here. And P.S., if you find my explanations in this episode oversimplified, good. They all are. Plus, life is meaningless anyway. Chill out and have a cookie. And thanks for listening. I love you. Uh, please <laughs> like, subscribe, review, share away, and all that good stuff. Peace.